What is up, everyone? And welcome back to another episode of the MLS Gone Wild. We have a huge show in store for you guys. And I'll let Blam take it away from here. Yeah, guys, welcome to MLS Gone Wild Week 9. We have a super special guest on here today. On here for you today. We have Portland Timbers right wing back Chris Duvall, seven-year vet of the MLS. Chris, welcome, man. How you doing? I'm good. Yeah, thanks for having me. Uh, thanks for having me on your show. Yeah, of course. You want to tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, yeah. So I'm uh, I'm a native of Duluth, Georgia. Uh, it's a little town about 20 minutes northeast of Atlanta. Um, grew up there. Went to play soccer at Wake Forest. Played there for four years. Um, and then I was drafted uh, in the 2014 MLS draft to. New York Red Bulls. Um, I played there for three years and then was traded to Montreal Impact. Actually, I was I was traded to Minnesota, who then traded me to the Montreal Impact on the same day. Um, and then I was traded from Montreal to Houston uh, after two years in Montreal. And then last year in Houston was released. Um, played in OKC for about a month and then was picked up by Portland this year. Yeah, you're, you're definitely a journeyman of, <laughs> uh, of the MLS, but, um, you know, you, you're definitely a seasoned vet and you're a really experienced and really good player. Uh, shout out to Hayden Partain for getting us this interview with Cristobal. Chris, did you play with Hayden at Wake Forest? Yeah, I played with Hayden for a year. Um, he was a freshman when I was a senior and – I actually uh, helped recruit Hayden. I remember he came to like the Wake Forest soccer camp um, and he was in like, they used the players as kind of like coaches during the summers to, uh, for those camps. And I remember him being in my group and we put him in like the, you know, after I think a day of training or so, we put him in like a, like an elite group. And I remember, you know, after that, him being in love with Wake Forest, I remember him wanting to go. So, um, you know, a few months later, I think he came on a recruiting visit. And then the next year, he was a, a teammate of mine. So, great guy. I love Hayden to death. Yeah, that's really cool that we can uh, connect those pieces on that podcast. <laughs> uh, so, we, we've had two Wake Forest guys on here. Um, but I, I did see in doing some research, you were a four-year starter at an elite school like Wake Forest. That's 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 really impressive. Uh, yeah, it it, had, <laughs> it was not. Uh, I wouldn't consider myself the first guy on the on the team sheet. Um, I definitely had uh, a, a lot of challenges along the way. After I actually came into college as a winger, um, and started my freshman year as a right winger, um, and then I remember after my freshman year, our coach kind of came to me and sat me down and was like, "Listen, you." I know you want to play professionally, but realistically, in a lot of aspects of the game, you are way behind the curve if you want to play professionally as a winger. Um, and so if you if you want to stay in that position the rest of your career at Wake Forest, you'll be fighting for a starting spot. You might play, you might not. Um, and But I think that you have the tools to, to make it as a, as a right back, so you know, the, the spots open there for the taking. And I remember thinking I had a good freshman year, but after that conversation being like, well, are you, 
are you asking me if I want to play defense or like, or do I have a choice? And so I ended up, uh, you know, from his explanation, it sounded like I didn't really have much of a future as a winger. So I decided to move to right back and thankfully he was right. Yeah, that's why that's why they co- they pay the coaches the big bucks so we can <laughs> yeah. listen, so we so we listen to them. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So Chris, that was a good segue. Speaking on your aspirations to play in the MLS and you switching positions from right wing to right back. This past week was the NFL draft. 255 kids, their dreams came true. They're playing in the they're going to be playing in the NFL. Um, and we got to witness the raw and live emotions from living rooms across the United States. You were drafted 22nd overall to the New York Red Bulls in the 2014 MLS Super Draft. Can you explain your feelings and, like, the overall process of being drafted in the MLS? Uh, yeah, yeah. It's, I mean, my story was a little bit, a little bit different than most, I think. I, I was honestly shocked um, because, uh, I mean, a month before the draft, I was, I was coming out awake and, and I had had a conversation with my coach. There were no – there was no one who wanted to be my agent. There was no one really looking at me and his, you know, he kind of said like, if you want to keep playing soccer, you might be able to find a trial in the USL that I could, you know, I could help you get a trial and you'll have to grind it out there. And, um, you know, there's really no prospect of MLS for you. And then, um, you know, I, I kind of, there's like smaller combines that they invite players too and he got me invited to one of those smaller combines out at salt lake and i remember going there and thinking okay like most of the guys at this combine are going to be guys that are fighting for like to get picked in the last round so as long as i'm one of the better ones here then maybe i'll have a chance um and i remember after the first day thinking like being shocked that most of the guys there probably wouldn't have played at wake forest like i was pleasantly surprised that that the level was a little lower than I than I was expecting um and then the Salt Lake coaches after that combine pushed to get me invited to the the senior combine um and so there were some injured players at the combine so a week before it started I got invited uh like really late and then you know went to the combine and my coach kind of hooked me up with an agent who who wasn't he had never heard of me had never seen me find me but he just you know came to the combine to he had other players there so he was just going to help me out and I remember after the first couple of days of games he met with me and was like dude I think you might be a first round pick and I was like wait <laughs> like that doesn't that doesn't make any sense like three weeks ago I was considering you know I was debating with my parents how I was gonna try to keep this dream alive and maybe they'd help pay for my rent while I go on trial with USL teams. And now you're talking about being a first round pick. So, um, you know, I ended up getting picked in the second round, but I mean, the day it happened was just complete shock because the road to get there was, was pretty ridiculous. Yeah. That's, that's an awesome story. You know, (laughs) you know, hearing, you know, hearing that you don't really have a chance and then being selected within the top three of the second round and the 2014 MLS super draft. That's pretty remarkable. Yeah. Yeah, it was a pretty pretty crazy turnaround. Yeah, absolutely. Going forward, um so your fr- your rookie year in the league, 
you played with the New York Red Bull. Your second and third year there, you got the experience of playing under Jesse Marsh. Mm-hmm. And with Jesse Marsh being such a big advocate for young players, what was it like playing with him or under him for as like a young player? Yeah, I I honestly couldn't say enough about how amazing of a coach that guy was. He he was hands down the best coach I've ever had. Um he, I think a lot of coaches that I've come across either are good at the tactics but aren't very good at, like, managing players or they're really good with players and everyone loves them, but they're maybe not very good at tactics or, or anything. And, and Jesse was the best of both. Um, he, he was, you know, the first guy in and the last guy out. His door was always open. He was honest and upfront, which is, I think, very rare. And he actually was, he was probably one of the most motivating people I've ever met. Like he would have us in film and, you know, before training and we'd watch film. And by the end of it, like it's a Tuesday afternoon, we're just going for a regular training session and everyone's so fired up, ready to like run through a brick wall. And it's like, Oh my God, it's only Tuesday. I forgot. Like, I mean, he's, he was just an incredible motivator. He, he was really good at getting everyone to buy into the system that he wanted to play. He was very good at making the game, which is, you know, soccer is a very gray. There's a lot of gray areas and a lot of decisions to be made, but he was good at making everything black and white as much as possible so that you don't really have to think as much on the field and in the defensive end. And then in the offensive end, you can just express yourself. So, um, you know, this, I mean, he was, he was a fantastic coach. He was a fantastic coach. I think one of, one of my favorite things about him was, um, you know, like I said, his honesty, he would, uh, I remember there was a string of games that we, we tied like three or four games in a row. And I had had like two assists in that string of games, but we should have won all the games and we were just blowing leads at the end. And I remember Jesse coming to me and, and saying, you know, Chris, I think, you've been implicated in in two or three goals that we've conceded in the last string games. And yeah, you, you could say that you've canceled those goals out by getting assists, but in reality, we'd rather just not give up the goals. So I'm going to give, you know, Connor Lade a chance at right back and you're going to be on the bench for this, this Saturday's game. And if you can show me these specific things, you know, better tackling or, you know, better decisions and, so-and-so areas then you'll be back in the starting lineup but for right now we're giving Connor a shot and and a conversation like that for a player is is that either take it one of two ways you know you could hear that and just not change and then you would be sitting the bench to Connor late or you could you know take that criticism as advice and constructive criticism and you know put it into action and then become you know the starting right back again so it's you know it's humbling to hear those things, but it's up to the player to make the choice. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, and I mean, in other teams I've been on, there's been situations where myself or other players, you feel like you've played well, and then you're not in the lineup the next game. And, you know, it's up to you to either approach the coach and ask about it, and then they feel attacked, or you just sit there and wonder. And it's just a really uncomfortable situation. Um, and you're left with all these questions, but with Jesse, you always knew where you stood, exactly where you stood, and exactly what you needed to do to, to get out of that situation. Transparency is really important, especially in a position like Jesse Marsh had in a professional 
soccer culture, letting these, you know, elite athletes know where they stand and what they need to do better. And if you don't do better, this is what I expect and I don't expect. So I think that's, that's really impressive with Jesse Marsh and, yeah. you know, thank you for letting yeah, us know that. Sure. All right, Chris. So I got a question for yeah. you. What has been your, what has been your mindset and motivation after being traded multiple times in your seven year career? Uh, yeah, it's, it's definitely changed over time. Um, I think one thing that, that a, a veteran told me when I was a rookie was because he, he saw how much I bought into the, the club itself, the organization. And I treated New York Red Bulls like it was my college team. Like I would bleed for this club. I would die for this club. Like this is, this club is everything. And I remember, you know, a veteran telling me, okay, that's great, but just know that it's a business and your first, your first trade will, will hurt, you know? And so, you know, I, I looked at him and I was like, no, like they love me here. Like I'll, you know, I'll this, I'm going to play here forever. And then you get traded and, you know, it's, he was right. It does hurt, you know, because you've, you've invested so much emotion and, effort and work into this club and then you you feel like they've just disposed of you and so um you know you kind of go from a mindset of this club is everything I want to see this club succeed and you change to more it's not less passionate but it's just a little bit less naive you know you yeah. you still have the same desire to win and to succeed but it's more for you know, the guys around you and this group that you have right now instead of the club, you know, you, yeah. of course you're thankful to the club for giving you an opportunity, but I'm not, I'm not bleeding and sweating and gritting for the club. I'm gritting for the fans and the people around me and, and to win because we hate to lose rather than, you know, wanting to make sure that this club is famous, you know? I mean, especially, like, making all those friends on the team and, like, the chemistry you guys already have all together, like, and then you just find out that you're getting traded, like, kind of kind of sucks to hear. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's definitely tough. And, it, it, I mean, it's kind of the, the bad side of professional sports because you you want to be loyal and and fall in love with this place and call it home, but you know you have to know that they will only treat you well as long as you're of value to them. So – you know, you, you do everything you can for the people that are so devoted to the club. Um, but you just have to understand that, that uh, you're, it's still a business. Yeah, and it seems like at your time with the New York Red Bulls, I mean, you played a lot as a young mm-hmm. player um, at right back. Um, and for them to turn around and trade you, do you have any kind of, like, animosity towards New York Red Bulls? Or, you know, are you just kind of neutral with it at this point? Uh, no, I'm – I'm neutral towards that at this point. I, there was definitely a little bit at first, especially because of how close I was with Jesse and Chris Armis. And, um, but they're, they're such great guys over there. And they, you know, they really did care about me and about the players there. Um, and so, which is why it hurt when, when I got traded. But, you know, it's a, it's a business. But the one thing I will say is every time I play Red Bull, they get my very best, you know, (laughs) (laughs) the teams and not just Red Bull, Houston and Montreal. When I play those teams, you know, there's still that bit of 
you know, I, I don't wish that they, you know, won't succeed. I, I would love to see the people I've played with succeed, but you're not going to beat me when I play against you. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of, it's kind of that, like having that just chip on your shoulder. It's like, I'm going to show you like the player I am. It's kind of stuff like that, whether you trade me or I'm still on your team. I'm, I'm going to show you. I'm, it's like that little edge, just that I'm going to show you up. Yeah. Yeah. Or even just like you are probably with your friends, like, like you love having them on your team, but oh god, I do not want to see them on the other side of the field. And so I hope that the guys I play against that I've played with feel that way. You know, like you know I'm coming for you when I'm playing against you. So good luck. Yeah, and that's it's funny you said that about the friends and stuff because me and Blake have been lifelong friends and we actually played at rival schools in college so our junior and senior year we played against each other and it was that kind of exact same yeah yeah exactly exactly we can be boys but i'm not gonna give you anything (laughs) yeah exactly yeah no no wonder why you have those 20 yellow cards in your career (laughs) i I knew poopus was gonna bring that up it was coming at some point i love it honestly i love it it's only 20 that's not that bad in seven years. No, it's not bad, but I mean, I still like it a lot. So. <laughs> I thought you were going to say something about the reds, but I'm glad you went for the yellows. <laughs> yeah, now when Poopus played soccer, he was uh, he was very aggressive, so he thoroughly appreciates the yellow card that you got. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You got to let them know sometimes they're not going to get anything easy, you know? Every now and then, <laughs> statement yellow <laughs> is okay. Yeah, absolutely. All right, so, you know, you were just talking about some of the different teams you've played for. Uh, so which team or city that you've played for has the best soccer culture and why? Ooh. I, I feel like those are two different questions. Like, I feel like um, the city that, that has the best soccer culture is probably, is probably Montreal. Um, they, they seemed like they understood the game there. The fans, it's a little bit more European and the fans there, I feel like understand the game a little bit. They have, they have a good soccer culture in that city. Um, but I think the soccer culture in the club here in Portland might, might be the best. Um, there's what they have here is pretty special and i know i'm pretty new here but um you know this the the soccer environment here has been something like like i don't think i've seen before and what 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 makes you say that you know what is your what is your short time in portland been like what's your experience been like uh it's it's been pretty fascinating honestly like i i i don't think i've been anywhere where the fans are so involved in the team and so die hard for the team. I think, um, you know, the, the club really does a lot to take care of the players that I, I just, I was not expecting. And it just feels more professional than I thought I would ever experience in MLS. Um, but I mean, that's not a knock on New York or Montreal or you know, New York still actually feels like 
like home, you know, that city. I love that city, but, um, you know, something here is, is a little bit different, a little bit special. What is the, uh, what's the fan base like there? Uh, they are pretty amazing. Honestly, they're, they're everywhere. I think this is, this place is the most that I've ever seen like gear and memorabilia of the team that I'm playing for around the city. Like people have Timbers stickers on their cars, Timbers shirts and hats. And like, even during this quarantine, I went to like a, a turf field to train by myself and someone approached me and asked me if, if I played for the Timbers. And I was like, that is crazy that you would even ask that. But yeah, I do like, you know, people really love the team here. And I think it's more, um, I mean, it's just more widespread than anywhere else, anywhere else I've been, you know, New York is, is huge. And there's so many big things to do and see in New York. I think the sports teams are, you know, people love the sports teams, but, they're just not as involved, I think, as they are here. Right. In the previous episodes, we talked about cities that have a good and, you know, have good soccer culture. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and Portland is definitely one of those. And that's part of the reason why we asked that, because I had a feeling you would say Portland there. Yeah. So I don't know if you play FIFA or not, Chris, <laughs> but is there, is there a FIFA 20 rating accurate representation of what you do on the pitch? Oh, God. Uh, I, I'm guessing my – Am I in FIFA 20? Yeah, yeah. I, I looked it up, and you were you were a 65 overall. Oof. Oh god. Well, you know what? I'd like to think that my FIFA rating should be higher, but <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm sure it's accurate. I'm sure it's accurate. I I think that uh, they they generally tend to make me faster than I actually am, which I'm thankful for. Um, but I think they kind of let me down in some other areas. <laughs> um, but yeah, I'm sure I'm sure my people rings are right. <laughs> so, Chris, what is an accurate representation of what you do on the field? Like, what is what are your strong suits? What do you do really well? Uh, the best aspect of my game would probably be crossing the ball. Um, mm-hmm. I'd like to think that if I if I get the ball out wide whether it's you know a shallow cross or a deep cross or whatever I, I would like to think when I get the ball out wide my teammates are are busting their butts to get into the box because they know I'm, I'll put it on someone um, and, and make a dangerous opportunity um, but you know the, the rest of my game is more just you know trying to be intelligent uh, you know there's there's so many players in this league that are faster than me stronger than me and technically so much more gifted that a lot of my game has to come from, you know, studying the guys that I'm going to play against and understanding their tendencies and understanding the teams I'm coming against so that I won't be surprised and I can position myself in good spots so that I, I won't get beat um, and that I can handle whatever comes at me because, I mean, uh, I am not physically gifted enough to to survive against some of these freak athletes if, if I don't study. So that's how I've kind of, you know, made a career. And thankfully it's, it's, it's worked that I can use my brain instead of my body a little bit. Yeah. And I know you talked about your crossing being one of the strong suits in your game. Um, we tweeted out and put out on Instagram, your highlight tape from, I think 2017 mm-hmm. at Montreal. 
And the majority of that highlight tape is early crosses from the right side. And I know that you said when you were at Wake Forest, your your freshman year, you were a right winger and they converted you to a right back. And I can still tell just by watching the highlights and I've seen you play in live games as well. I, I can see where you're almost like a right wing back instead of a traditional right back. You know, you like to get forward. You can play in those early mm-hmm. balls. Um, you have a, a plenty of assists in your MLS career. Um, so I think that's one thing that you bring to teams. And that's one of the most dangerous balls in the game is an early ball in from either the right or left side. And, you know, you provide it from the right-hand side. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. I definitely, you know, I, I would not say I was a great crosser of a ball when I, when I was a winger. Um, you know, it was a long road. And I, I definitely had to go through some struggles to get there. Even, even uh, you know, my rookie year in MLS, I was – you know, teammates with Thierry Henry. And I, I remember one day after training, he came up to me and was like, when was the last time you hit your target on a cross? And I was like, <laughs> earlier today, like, like five minutes ago. And he was like, no, it's been weeks. And he like grabs like two bags of balls and dumps out like 50 balls and just has me like crossing balls. And then he... I remember he went inside and it had been like a long day of training and I was just like exhausted and my crosses weren't great because I was just dead. And so when he went inside, I like sat down and stretched and then I was like, okay. And then I, I went inside and I, I remember Brad Wright Phillips grabbed me at the door and was like, you shouldn't go in there. I was like, what do you, like, what do you mean? And he was like, dude, Thierry told you to hit crosses and he just saw that you're like coming inside. Like he's pissed. And I was like, "Oh my god! Well, I'm, should I like go back out and hit more more crosses? Like, what, what do I do?" So I went back outside and like hit some more crosses. And I mean, I think that just kind of, first of all, speaks to like Thierry was a perfectionist, and that's why he played at the level he did. But having someone around there around me that was like that my rookie year, I think played a huge role because then it's like, okay, if I miss now, if I miss one cross, I'm furious. Cause it's like, this is the best aspect of my game. It has to be perfect. And I think part of that mentality definitely came from him. Yeah. I'm a big Arsenal fan. Uh, also a big Thierry Henry fan. So I think that's really cool. Is Thierry Henry the best player you've ever played yeah, with? By a long shot. By a long shot. Yeah, I, I I feel like I could probably tell stories about him all day. He was he was unbelievable. That's really cool that you're able to you know have those experiences and tell those stories about such a legend in the game itself. So you said Tier Henry is the best player you've ever played with. Who's the best player you've ever played against? Ooh, that's tough. Um, I think. They, they might not be the best players I played. I think, like, clearly the best players I played against had to be either Kaká or Davavia. Those guys, you know, won World Cups and Ballon d'Ors and stuff like that. But the best, like, the hardest players that I played against were probably a tie between Sebastian Javinko and Landon Donovan. Um, mm. I think it was my second year in MLS. Javinko was, like, when he was MVP, he was – like legitimately unstoppable. Like this, he, he was unbelievable. Um, and 
my rookie year, I think, was Landon Donovan's last year with Galaxy. And it was it was the World Cup year. And I remember we played Galaxy in L.A. like right after he hadn't made the World Cup squad. And so he was just like on a tear. Like he had a chip on his shoulder and so much to prove. And this guy was like scoring so many goals. Um, and from like the very first kickoff, I remember before the game, our coach was like, okay, like, it was Mike Petke. He came to me and he was like, listen, you've played like 20 games. I can tell you're starting to get like a little bit fatigued. This will be your last one. And then I'm going to give you like a couple weeks off and then we'll, we'll bring you back in for playoffs. And I remember being like, okay, just get through this game in LA. This is a big one. Like make it through. And literally from the kickoff, their game plan was give it to Landon Donovan and run it the rookie. And uh, we, we lost four zero and I had a nightmare. And I remember thinking like, like before the game, I remember thinking like, yes, like if I play well, I'm gonna ask Landon Donovan to trade jerseys. And, I, and after the game, I was too embarrassed to like go over and ask him for his jersey. So I just like put my head down, walked off the field, and was like, please get me away from this nightmare. Yeah, so we kind of talked about the players that you've played with, teams that you've played with. Uh, we're gonna get into some fun questions yeah. now. Um, which teammate that you have played with? or currently play with kind of brings like you always have that player in the dressing room who's the biggest prankster brings the best banner who would you say that's been the player that brings the most banner yeah that's tough that is tough um there's a there's a lot there's a lot i think on on the team now in Portland, I think it's Sebastian Blanco. That guy is always he, – he brings a lot of banter. Um, in, in Houston, it's tough to say because this locker room is mostly Spanish. Um, I, think, I think New York probably had the best locker room I've, I've been a part of, and there was a lot of banter in that one. Um, Connor Lade had a lot of banter, Derek Etienne, Brad Wright Phillips, um, Ryan Mira. There was, there was a lot of banter to go around in that locker room. Dax McCarty, Sasha question that, <laughs> that locker room was, was one that like, there was, there was so much banter that there would be days where like training would be over for an hour and we're all just in there like yelling and screaming at each other, like laughing, having a good time. Um, you know, so that, I mean, that was a, that was definitely, that was, that was a good place. And I think that one, one of those guys would probably have to top the list. Yeah. And I think that always like brings an extra element to the chemistry of the team and the culture in the locker room and stuff like that. Like if you're able to have, if you're able to mess with each other, pull pranks, pull banter on each other, it always like helps and enhances the chemistry, I think just like going through it and going through all the banner in different locker rooms that I've played in. I'm sure Blake can say the same thing. It's just, it adds something to the experience. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I mean, I totally agree. That was, I mean, that was the locker room that I've, I've been the closest with as far as like the friendships I've made and, you know, within the game and everything, that was probably the best locker room I've been a part of. And it was the only one that I've, that 
it's on, the only part of uh, team I've ever been a part of that actually won something. So I think that you're right. I think those definitely correlate. All right, Chris. So I know you have a pregame playlist. So what do you usually listen to before your games? Uh, <laughs> it's kind of evolved over time. Um, I think now I, I would mainly listen to like J. Cole before a game. But hey, that that ain't bad. Yeah, that's my, for sure. My first my my rookie year, probably through like my second or third year, I like would get so nervous before games that I would have to listen to like really slow, like either R and B or even just some like piano music just to like slow my heart rate. Um, Cause I would just like, if I was going to listen to a fast song, I was going to have a heart attack. <laughs> so I had to listen to some slow music or just like not have my headphones in and just try to like laugh and joke with the guys just to kind of distract myself. Um, so, yeah, now that I think, I mean, it's going to make me sound old, but now that I'm a little older and I've got a little experience, those nerves don't come anymore. And so I can just listen to whatever I want. So what, is your, what is your favorite J. Cole song to listen to pregame or just to listen to whenever? Oh, that's tough. He's got He's some classic some great man. ones. I, uh 1985, maybe, or mm-hmm. um, Voluminati. Um, there's pretty much the whole 2014 Forest Hills Drive album is uh, it's pretty. I mean, that I could probably listen to that on replay. Yeah, J. Cole, is a, he's a lyricist, and I do like the fact that he tells stories within his raps. Uh, he's he's probably, as of right now, the best in the game, so he would be up there on my playlist yeah. as well. Yeah, he's good. So right now I know we are without sports and we're all missing watching stuff. Just, you know, we're all soccer fans. We love to watch soccer. But outside of soccer, Chris, what is your favorite sport to watch? Um. I love watching basketball, um, but I actually – my favorite sport is probably track. Um, my my brother so, – so So I read I read somewhere, Chris, that you hold like a state record in the 5K. No, no, I do not. I do not. But <laughs> no? I, like my brother was <laughs> like crazy fast. He definitely is probably close to the state record in the 5K. Um and so because of him, I was at track meets all growing up and stuff. So so that's why I like watching my back. No, I don't. I have the second fastest time in my my high school, in my high school's history, behind my brother. That might have been that might have yeah, been what I saw. Yeah. But he's I mean, my time will be broken. I mean, I guess it's been ten years since I graduated, but my time will be broken very soon. Um, my brother's time will probably be number one. Potentially forever. Um, so. So you touched on that your favorite sport to watch outside of soccer would be basketball. Who Do you have a team? Do I have a team? Yeah, the Atlanta yeah. Hawks, of course. My hometown team. Oh, yeah, you're from Georgia. Okay, yeah. yeah I, I, sh- I don't want to assume <laughs> things, you know. Yeah, we're bad. <laughs> okay. 
Okay. You guys have – y'all have Vince Carter. We do right? have Vince Carter. I got my Vince Carter jersey You guys have room. Vince. <laughs> nice, man. <laughs> yeah. You guys have Trey Young. So, you guys have a couple, like, you know, you guys have a couple things to hang your hats on at the end of the night. But, yeah, y'all y'all aren't very no, good this We're year. just – we're trying to go for another draft pick. That's all. Yeah. Well, it's, it's always fun to watch Trey. I know you yeah, enjoy that. Yeah, and John Collins was a fellow Deke. Went to Wake Forest. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Yeah, I don't don't think any of us necessarily have a team. We were all, you know, born and raised in Ohio, so we're all like – we were Cavs fans when LeBron was there, and then, you know, none of us are from Cleveland, so we really don't care about the Cavaliers. (laughs) So we just – I know at least for myself, I follow LeBron wherever he goes. I mean, it's hard to hate on LeBron. LeBron's awesome. Chris, we're going to go into – what should be the last question, unless Blake comes up with any random ones like he normally has in the past. Always um, do. This is or kind of the, never know. This is the question that we always ask at the end, or we have with Hayden and Brandon, uh, our other two interviews. But what advice do you have for the younger generation looking up to you and wanting to play in the MLS or the USL? Um. It's tough. I, I think the one thing I, I always tell kids is that, you know, they should treat their games like games. Um, because I, I remember a lot of times, like, people people try to put so much pressure on kids, and kids don't really realize that there is no pressure until you get to a point that there is more pressure and you're like, whoa, back then I didn't have any pressure, you know? Like, I thought that my club soccer games when I was 12, 13, 14, winning these tournaments was so important. But then I, you know, got to high school and I went to nationals and it's like, oh my gosh, no, these games are important. Then you go to college and you're in the ACC tournament and you're like, wait, no, these games are more important. And then you go pro and you realize every step of the way games get more and more important and there's more on the line. And so to kids, I just say to enjoy it and do the moves and the tricks and the things that you love and express yourself and just don't be afraid to have fun because that's why we really do it. And there's no need to put so much pressure on yourself, work hard, enjoy learning, enjoy getting better and growing. And then, use the games to express yourself and show what you've learned. Don't play within yourself. Play in a way that you will actually enjoy. Yeah, and that's really good advice, just kind of enjoying it and playing for the love of the game and kind of not worrying about anything besides the moment you're in. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's really good advice. Um, You know, just trying to be present and be within the moment. I know, Chris, you spoke earlier about your first couple of years in the league becoming really nervous before games. Um, and I, I, I know I felt that when I played college ball as well. But really, you have to remember, it's it's just a game and it's something that's supposed to be fun. It's something that you love. So it should come very natural. And, you know, if, if you have confidence within yourself, it should be easy. Yep. Yep. Totally agree. So, like Dakota said, or unlike Dakota said, I don't have any more questions, actually. I asked enough probing questions throughout the episode that I think I'm questioned out, to be honest with you. Um, 
Poopus, do you have anything else? What what kind of emotion did you have after you scored your very first MLS? Uh, yeah, I, I I have no idea. I honestly, like, my memory of that moment was just, like, I remember the ball floating in the air and swinging my leg at it. And then just darkness until I, like, ran into my <laughs> like, like hit my teammates at the bench and like I honestly think that if there was no like wall there I would have just kept running at like Forrest Gump and just been out of state because <laughs> I have no idea what was happening and that was <laughs> and that was against New York City yeah, FC correct yeah huge game huge yeah. goal man yeah. so I, I I mean I was ecstatic like couldn't probably the happiest moment of my life <laughs> but uh, no I I have no idea I have no idea. No, I mean, I don't blame you. Honestly, I don't blame you <laughs> on that one. Yeah. All right, so if we don't have any more questions. Chris, do you have anything you want to close out on? Anything you want to plug in here? Uh, no, just thank you guys for having me on your uh, on your show. Yeah, absolutely, man. Uh, so, Dakota Poopus, you guys want to go ahead and, you know, give your final say before I close this out? Yeah, Chris, thank you again. Um for taking the time out doing this and helping us out here. I thought, I thought it was really good and we got a lot of insight into your career and just kind of you outside of soccer a little bit as well. So I really enjoyed this episode. Thank you. Appreciate it, Chris. Again, like it means a lot to us, honestly, for you, for you letting us interview. And uh, I just want the best for you and you have a, you have a great time. Yeah. Thank you guys. Thank you. Appreciate it. Yep. Of course. And again, everybody, thank you for joining MLS Gone Wild Week 9. We had special guest Chris Duvall right back for the Portland Timbers on our show tonight. He's our first MLS interview. Um, hopefully it opens up some doors for us within the MLS. Uh, we, we greatly appreciate his time uh, answering the questions and, you know, having some conversation with us tonight. Anyways, uh, we will see you guys next Thursday again. Um, y'all stay safe, stay healthy, stay stay home. Um, and we'll catch y'all later. Chris, thanks again, man. Thanks guys. All right. Peace.